welcome back to Mum Talk. So this week I am speaking to a dietitian. I know I promised you that it was going to be a catch up from me, but actually life has been a little bit hectic and I am pretty exhausted. So I figured rather than give you a little bit of a half-hearted podcast, I will give you what everyone or a lot of you have been asking for, um, some dietitian information. So I spoke to Louise last week or the beginning of this week. Um, so here you go. So this week I am here with Louise Moll and Louise is a dietitian and Louise actually reached out to me on email or Instagram, I can't remember, email, Um, sharing that she was a dietitian after listening to the podcast which is amazing and I am lucky enough to have her here with me today Um, and Louise is going to talk to us all about pregnancy, diet, all that kind of stuff. So we're just going to go straight into it because she is going to start off by telling us the difference between dietitian and nutritionist because I thought she was a nutritionist. (laughs) So we're going to start right there. So hi, welcome. Hello, hello. (laughs) Thank you so much for inviting me to be here. It's amazing. My pleasure. Going through my own journey as well, which we can talk about. Um, but yeah, the difference between a dietitian and a nutritional therapist, well, there's also a nutritionist as well, which throws another title oh into the gosh. mix. I know, it's confusing. <laughs> but basically, uh, a dietitian is a protected title. So in order to, to be a registered dietitian, you need to be a member of the Healthcare Professions Council. Right. And in order to be a member of the Healthcare Professions Council, you need to have done a, an accredited degree. Um, at a valid institution um, and you also need to follow some criteria to maintain your registration status which involves um, kind of doing continuing professional development oh, yeah. attending courses training we and have also, that in yoga as well yeah and also um, actually you know practicing as a dietitian as well yeah so we have a code of conduct that we follow um, which is really important and that's the same for um, any kind of healthcare professional, so nursing, occupational therapy, physiotherapy, they're all um, members of the Healthcare Professions Council. So nutritional therapist, which is the kind of other side of things, it's not a protected title. Right. So anyone can call themselves a nutritional therapist. God, really? Yeah. So someone could oh. read someone could read a read a book or, or some people there are there are full courses out there. So there's mm. BANT, which is an association for nutritional therapists, which is a recognised association. Um, so people can do degrees and, and, and do that, but it's not a protected title, right. which means that some some information that nutritional therapists share may differ in terms of quality. Yeah. So um, it doesn't go for all of nutritional therapists. Some are really, really valid. Yeah. But you just for, for people who aren't aware of that, it's just worth checking someone out before you're going to go and see them Absolutely. to look at their qualifications, basically. Absolutely. I mean, I had... No idea. Yes. So that's good. And also the way the dietitians work, like I, because um, like nutrition is a fascinating subject, which is why I'm so interested in it. But it, a dietitian works on an evidence based basis, right? So I would um, only ever advise my patients or clients based on evidence. Yeah. I wouldn't um, recommend um, particular diets or particular supplements that weren't reinforced by evidence. Okay. Um, and as we know, as we see in the media, the evidence, nutritional evidence is, and research is huge. It's always evolving. Yeah. It's really complicated, <laughs> which is why it's such a challenging subject. Yeah. But there's always new developments and new things. So as a dietitian, we're always keeping an eye on the research. 
um, to see what the research is telling us. Oh gosh, brilliant. So, so hopefully you have some real gems to share with us today about yeah. pregnancy and diet yeah. and stuff. That's brilliant. <laughs> so I just want to also mention, which I didn't mention before, that Louise is also pregnant, yeah. which is amazing. You must be, what, like 26? 25. 25 Nearly weeks. 26. Almost 26 weeks. Oh my goodness. And she looks amazing. Oh. They can't see her. I feel massive. Oh my god, you're not at oh, all. I do, and I'm really, I like Ian, I'm quite short, mm. and I've, you know, listened to your previous podcasts and, and heard you talk about feeling quite, you know, already feeling quite big, and mm. you look at other women, and sometimes they're not, they don't even show until they're five months. Yeah. I found out three weeks, I, wow. when I was three weeks pregnant, because of the boobs. Yes, yes, <laughs> like Rebecca and I. Because yes. of the boobs. So I went to a friend's house for dinner and um, we, we took some wine and she wasn't drinking. And I said, oh, you're not drinking, Sam? And she said, no, no, um, three months pregnant. And so it was all exciting. And then I kind of was chatting to her and I said, oh, how did you know? She said, oh, my boobs were so sore. Yeah. And I sat there drinking my wine and I thought, hmm... The next morning, I did a pregnancy test, and I and I was I was oh pregnant. Oh my gosh, that's crazy! I know. So, um, but that from that day onwards, the the blow started. Yeah. And I know the baby was the tiniest, teeniest, tiniest thing, but I yeah. just seemed at the end of the day, and I've never really struggled with bloating before, so it was all quite a new experience for me. Sucks, but I felt it? like I was showing so early, yeah. and I wasn't showing because the baby was so tiny. Yeah. Um, and now. No, I'm nearly six months, and because I'm baby so sure, baby is not tiny anymore. <laughs> but I had my 25 week um, midwife checkup on the last Wednesday, yeah. and they started measuring the fundal height. Oh right! So this is when they get the tape measure out, and they they measure um, kind of the top of your uterus. And, and it's they plot it on a chart basically, which I was really worried about because I was really anxious that I was going to be really high, but actually I'm you know I'm within the centile line, right. so so it's all fine. And the midwife is absolutely happy. I think it's just tricky, like like you've said before previously. It's really hard. Your body changes so quickly. It does. And it's really it? hard coming to terms with it sometimes. It really does, and you know, there's crazy stuff that goes on. You know, not just like growing like outwards. I found that, you know, my thighs are now rubbing a bit more at the mm. top, which is really... I hate. Like, I've been at that point in a point of my life before, and I remember thinking, oh, God, this sucks. And because I'm going to be, and so will you, be really, really, really pregnant during the warmer months, yes. that's even worse. And, like, rubbing, and it's things like that that I'm just kind of... That's a little bit harder than actually just going outwards. Yeah. It's kind of the weight that goes on everywhere else. And the boobs. And the boobs. So I got measured yeah. for a bra the other day and I nearly fainted. <laughs> she said I've gone up like two two sizes. And the cup size. And I was just like wowzers. Cra- craziness. But um, you know, and, and, and it's and it it's hard at the time and I think you kind of take you try and just roll with it yeah. <laughs> and go with it. Yeah. But it is tricky. It is tricky kind of um, dealing with that sometimes. Yeah. And pants as well. Like oh. I found knickers and my <laughs> pants before have just been really uncomfortable. And now I'm wearing these horrendous I'm really sorry if there are any men listening that think <laughs> maybe all us women wear beautifully sexy lingerie, but right now that's not no. the case. I am like wearing these black I mean they look almost like in fashion high waisted bikini bottoms, that's what they I look know, like. Know, but 
they're not <laughs> they're like proper Bridget Jones oh, granny pants yeah. and things like that and you know I'm buy, buying like size 10 size 12 and before I was like size 8 but size 12 is what's super comfy mm. and I just want to have what's comfy oh it's all about the comfort because yeah. I know you can buy maternity clothes that uh, is either over bump or under bump yeah. I definitely feel better over bump I it's don't know why it's supportive what... isn't yeah, it yeah it feels yeah. like all the leggings and the, and the jeans and stuff um, and I don't want to spend too much money because obviously no. it's starting to get warmer yeah and when when it is summer, I'm going to be even bigger. So I'm kind of I just got this vision of being able to live in maxi dresses and flip flops. So I'm kind of that would be nice. Reluctant, or naked. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have just plans to walk around my garden naked <laughs> most days. <laughs> so yeah, so so that's so that's me really. But yeah, oh. so far I've been quite lucky with my pregnancy. So far I've had yeah. a pretty good. It's my first baby, um, and we got pregnant pretty quickly. Oh, um, so I've been quite fortunate, and I haven't had much morning sickness. So oh, I know, oh, I know, I've had your water, but um, I probably similar to your friend, really similar to your friend. Actually, I think I had probably around week seven. Started to feel a little bit icky in the mornings. Yeah, but a few biscuits. <laughs> And then you're fine. I felt fine. Yeah. I can just felt a bit, I told everyone, it kind of just felt like a bit of a hangover. Yeah. Water wasn't hitting the spot. No. Couldn't really drink water. It had to be something flavoured. Absolutely. Yeah. In fact, I went to Tesco's this morning and I forgot to buy cordial. And I'm just, oh, no. I'm really annoyed. There's this really <laughs> nice, like, low sugar lime cordial that I love. And I forgot to get it because water just doesn't, like, I can't get enough water down me. Yeah. I mean, I'm not a water drinker anyway, unless it's height of the summer, and I just can't get enough down me. And I know, I know by looking at my pee, I'm not drinking enough water, but mm. for sure. Um, but I'm trying, I'm oh. trying, and I, I, I hope that because I haven't ever been like a big water drinker, that it won't be as bad. But I don't It'll know if I'm fine. just telling myself Cause that. Because if you drink hot drinks as well, so to remember, really. so and and also things like um, some foods that which are really high in fluid or count towards fluid intake. So soups yeah. and um, if you if you eat things like cucumbers and melons, all of those f- foods are quite high and have got such a high water content. They do contribute towards your fluid intake. As what well. about almond milk and stuff? Does that contribute? Oh, let's get on to it. Let's get on to nut milk. Should we get? Should we yeah, go there? <laughs> I I I have my mornings. I'm shit with breakfast. Sorry, I just swear I'm really trying hard not to swear on this podcast because <laughs> then I have to put it as explicit, which I'm trying not to do. <laughs> so hopefully that'll be the only one. Um, I start every morning with a smoothie. Um, and I put a lot of almond milk in to try and mm. kind of just because I like it, and mm. also it's really cold and a little bit creamy and nice. So yeah, tell me, kind of, does that contribute towards my water intake? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. So fluid, anything, anything like that would contribute towards your fluid intake, which mm-hmm. is great. I think um, kind of talking about milks and and that's it's such a big area, um, a t- hot topic at the moment as well. Such a hot topic because there's. Yeah. There's so much focus on um, the dairy industry and some of the potential issues in the dairy industry, but also from a dietetic perspective, seeing the impact potentially that's having on calcium intakes as well, because um, cow's milk is one of the highest sources of um, calcium and protein as well, if you look at milks. So it can be quite challenging if someone's not drinking cow's milk to make sure that they're repl- whatever they're replacing it with, yeah. um, you know, they're still getting the same levels of calcium as well. Yeah. Um, and most of the alternatives that you can buy in the high, in 
supermarkets are fortified so they've got added um calcium and vitamins yeah. yeah so i'd say kind of especially for pregnant ladies it's probably really important just to check that you're having one that's fortified organic milks tend not to be fortified right because they're organic and they um the process they use they 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 don't add anything back in yeah so an organic nut milk wouldn't be fortified so it's just worth bearing that in mind um if you are a bit worried about calcium intake Mm. um and, and protein as well so things like almond milk um are quite low on protein so if you're kind of getting those protein sources from other parts of your diet it's absolutely fine yeah but if you're relying on um milks to get your protein um almond milk and cashew milk and those kind of milks are quite low in protein okay even though almonds are quite even though nuts are high in protein because you're because of the process that they go through to get the liquid out it's um quite low god when you actually look at the ingredients it's what like five percent almonds or something it's hardly anything yeah it's quite a lot of water it's a lot of water soya milk is higher in protein so if people are happy to have soya then soya milk is a is is a better option potentially if if again protein is a concern mm. um but i mean nut milk's lovely i love um mm. i love um oat milk as well oat milk's quite nice in porridge mm. but again the, the protein is quite low on it so it just it's just worth just considering it in your overall diet so as long as you're having protein from other sources then it's fine okay and just keeping an eye on the organic ones because they won't be fortified yeah so one of the main reasons why um, it's great to have you on the podcast today is I have been having loads of conversations actually on the podcast and then also um, off the podcast with mums about in their first trimester, even in their second trimester, for instance, I was vegan before and pretty much lived on a veggie-based diet. First trimester, could not look at a vegetable, wanted to be sick. Um, and we were just discussing before you were the same, similar. So. Yeah. My first trimester consisted of toasts and chocolate and basically anything I fancied. And a lot of that was back to my childhood foods Mm -hmm. and wasn't the healthy lifestyle or the healthy diet or what I considered to be healthy diet beforehand. Um, So what would you say to mums out there who have the same concerns? Is it going to do baby any damage by kind of having just what you fancy just so you can eat because you know you've got some mums out there who are horribly sick with nausea and can barely Mm. keep anything down Mm. you've got some who are feeling queasy all the time which is basically what I had so didn't really want to eat but when I ate I felt better the minute I stopped I didn't all that kind of stuff what's your advice there I think the first is a really good question it's a massive concern and I was the same. Yeah. Um, so I couldn't really touch a vegetable. Fruit, I could manage, like juicy fruits, yes. pineapple, things like that. Oh, yeah. I was loving. But but yeah, I didn't really go near a vegetable for the first three months either, which was really hard being a dietitian. Yeah. Because I was like, oh, no, I shouldn't should be eating vegetables. The first thing I would say to mums is don't worry. That's the first thing is try not to worry. A lot of the research has shown that if you've got a pretty, if you've had a pretty healthy diet, prenatally right actually you're, you're, you're a few months isn't isn't gonna have a massive impact um and the mo- most important thing especially if you're struggling with sickness or nausea is is just getting through the day and not worrying about what you're eating i mean some some women are able to take their some supplements to try mm. and but some some women are so sick that they can't even keep the supplements down yeah. so i think the first thing i would say is, is try not to worry and try not to get too anxious about it because that will pass yeah it will pass and although there's so much kind of focus around how important what we eat is during pregnancy and you know it is important 
But I think similarly, it's you could go too far and you could get so anxious about it, which could have a detrimental effect as well, both mm. on your own mental health and potentially stressing, you know, creating those stress hormones in your body, which can't be good for baby. Mm. So I think the first thing I'd say is try not is try not to worry. If the sickness is really severe, you need to go and see your GP mm. or speak to your midwife straight away because you might have HG or hypermesis gravidium, which is becoming more prevalent in the media because of obviously the royal family. Yeah. Um, and there, there are some really good support networks out there. One of my um, university colleagues runs a national charity, Pregnancy Sickness Support, which provides help for women and guidance because the processes in the hospital still aren't really great with hypermesis gravidium. So, no. um, and that is extreme, you know, extreme mm. morning sickness. I think for the ladies who have a bit of nausea or just struggle with foods, just eat what you fancy yeah um i think one of the tips that worked for me um is taking the supplements at night yes that's what i do makes such a difference i think and i think you speak to a lot of people who take them in the morning because kind of naturally taking vitamins and things in the morning seems like the right thing to do but when you're struggling a bit feeling a bit icky yeah taking it at night when you've had maybe a bit of food throughout throughout the day it's got something in your tummy so it just and, and if you can sleep and you're sleeping okay then yeah I take supplements at night if you're taking them um, yeah. and starchy foods and carbohydrate foods tend to be what we crave and, and they work you know they, they make you feel a bit better so toast is just brilliant toast with anything on is is yeah. fantastic um I think so I luckily didn't get that constipated but a lot of women do pregnancy yeah. is, I definitely did yeah. I struggled and it's you know it's a topic not just in pregnancy but I think generally we need to talk more about, um, you know, poo because it, it it's such a serious issue sometimes when things don't go right and people mm. tend not to like talking about it. Yeah. But um, but fibre is a wonder nutrient in my like we don't we don't as dietitians we don't call food superfoods but to me fibre is like a wonder nutrient because it, it's it's got so many um, benefits to, to you know increasing your fibre intake and it can help help with weight management it helps keep your bowel really healthy and if your gut's healthy we know that has a lot of positive impacts on other parts of our health as well and there's some fascinating research being done in that area at the moment so yeah yeah. so fiber is if you're struggling with constipation if you are if you are managing to eat then try and up your fiber intake so what would you say are the best foods for pregnant women to be having for fiber for fiber so beans and pulses are fantastic they just make me fall so much (laughs) so the key is the key is with some people is slow introduction so if some with some some women and, and men as well if you kind of go from a diet that may be just low in fiber to all of a sudden high in fiber it is going to put a bit of a kind of load on your bowels so slow introductions take it nice and slowly so maybe you might just introduce kind of two days a week you might have you know you might have just switch to wholemeal bread if you had white bread before that might be the first change you make for a few weeks then you might start adding in a meal where you've added a tin of chickpeas or something to a stew so rather than going all in you do it gradually let your bowels kind of adjust we'll need to drink more fluid so if you're upping your fiber intake you will need to drink some more fluid so because or else we can get a bit you can, it can kind of almost go the other way and you can make you even more bummed up oh, right. so so you need to try and increase your fluid if you're increasing your fiber but i think 
beans and pulses are a bit of an underrated source. And um, for people who maybe are vegetarian or vegan, they might already incorporate beans and pulses as part of their diet mm. um, as a good protein source because yeah. things like black beans are a brilliant source of protein. And you can kind of shove them into meals without having to completely change them. Yes. So my husband is is a... Uh, is a is a carnivore through and through <laughs> um would be horrified if <laughs> if i put a meat-free meal in front of him <laughs> however he will happily eat a um three bean chili so really, he, he will funny? he will he will he will eat a three bean chili and um things like cassoulet yeah or he, he he will eat things like that so we try and make more of those kind of meals so i kind of incorporate fiber in but he yeah. still gets what he wants from the meal as well because I don't want to make two different meals if I can no. help it <laughs> I did that for so long making oh, no. Hendrik meat meals and then me vegan meals but now we're kind of back to just I can't be doing that so we're just eating the same thing now but actually Hendrik now feels like his body needs less meat than it did before yeah. um and I mean you haven't seen him but he's a big guy <laughs> I can't I don't know how tall he is like six Five. My husband's know. tall as well. Um, I don't know if that's really tall. He'll probably be like, I'm not six five. I'm like six <laughs> foot. I have no idea. Um, but he's, you know, always outside doing stuff and needs loads of energy. And mm. so, yeah, that's it's nice to actually just be able to cook one meal now. Yeah, one meal. I bet, especially if you're getting tired. Oh, and... absolutely. And I have to say, my let's talk about this because mm. my energy levels haven't increased really that much like I see a lot of people in the second trimester being like oh my god I feel amazing I feel so great this is what the pregnancy glow is all about occasionally I get those days but for instance today for some reason I am knackered like I went to Tesco's this morning it's basically wiped me out for the rest of the day is that is that because I'm not eating the right stuff is it because maybe I'm not drinking enough is it just because I'm pregnant do you, do you probably all, probably all of the above Emma to be yeah. honest I think it's really hard to it's probably really hard to single out a particular mm. cause but um I think in terms of energy energy providing foods um in pregnancy well in normal life but can apply to pregnancy as well um kind of things things I mean I I've always got in my handbags some dried apricots because for me, they're a bit of a superfood, I say superfood, a bit of a wonder food, especially for pregnancy, because they're really high in iron. Right. So if you're struggling a bit with your iron, three dried apricots as a snack, maybe with a handful of almonds, would be fantastic. Oh, and they're right. And because they're quite... I love apricots. Yeah, they're really lovely. Like, I sometimes have them in porridge as well in mm. the morning. But because they're, um, you know, quite a quick-releasing carbohydrate, because they, they are concentrated in terms of sugar, fruit sugars... They'll release energy as well. So if you're feeling a bit kind of slump, then yeah. having a little bit of dried fruit might help. And kind of, especially apricots, because they're so good for iron. I didn't know they that. They can boost you, boost, boost your energy a little bit. Um, other foods, so you talked about smoothies and things earlier yeah. and having breakfast. Some people find that having um, a smoothie can give them a bit of energy because with a smoothie or a juice, what you're doing is you're... Um, more so with a juice where you're holding back the fiber and mm-hmm. um, you're kind of releasing those fruit sugars before your body has to do them so it means it will give you okay. that kind of quick release hit of um it make your blood sugars spike basically yeah. smoothies are a bit better because the fiber's staying in the smoothie yeah. you are crunching it up a bit so you're yeah. processing it a bit before your body has to um 
but you might find that a smoothie gives you a bit of an energy lift as well because, again, it's likely that the sugars are going to be released into your bloodstream a bit quicker mm. compared to if you were to eat the food mm. as a whole food. I do definitely find that if I have a smoothie, I'm less sluggish mm. in the morning, whereas if I don't and I have something actually edible, like... I don't know toast or something then I feel like I have a bit of a slump afterwards oh, interesting. but I've always had that throughout my life that's why I don't really if I before I was pregnant I would skip breakfast because I would have more energy skipping breakfast than I would than if I ate breakfast yeah. it's really great that you um you're having the smoothie though because mm. the guidance is really shouldn't go kind of more than 12 hours without eating when you're pregnant mm-hmm. so um obviously overnight depending on how long you sleep it's great that you're having a smoothie and managing to have that in the morning so yeah so it's, it's tricky for people who aren't breakfast people because me and my husband are opposite I'm I'm I could eat a three-course meal at breakfast and that was pre-pregnancy as well I think I don't know whether it's because I, I I've always done my exercise really early I'm a bit of an early bird yeah so I'm always awake really early and mm. I've done a few marathons and I enjoy my wow. running and go to the gym really early so when I come home I'm ravenous and I could happily eat like my be- my favorite thing to do is to go out for breakfast yeah oh my god <laughs> I love favorite brunch. Thing to I do. swear that brunch or breakfast should be the new dinners because oh, I keep yes. saying that to my friends I'm like honestly in the evening I can't I just can't give you my time it's, I can't well, like hold space especially now that I'm not drinking alcohol yeah it's fantastic because there's no expectation to, well Maybe if I don't know, maybe maybe your listeners in London where they have nice brunches with um, mimosas and things, but yeah. but definitely down in Plymouth and in Devon we don't, <laughs> don't, don't really, really do, do that. that. <laughs> so it's lovely to go out for a meal where the expectation isn't alcohol. So if absolutely, it's when sometimes you go out for a meal being pregnant and everyone's drinking the wine and you're mm. the designated driver. Mm. <laughs> I mean, I haven't drank for like five or six years now, so that's oh, well like that doesn't apply to me but I do know with a lot of friends are like oh my god I'm missing my wine I'm missing just being able to say yes can I have a glass of something we went out with my prenatal yogis the other day and we all ended up having virgin mojitos it was really funny oh that's a good idea <laughs> though they were so yummy they oh, yeah they were delicious so um so is there anything else like diet wise foodie wise that you want to share with us I suppose the main things are the kind of the, the, the most the most important if we kind of talk about individual nutrients. Yeah. So um the most important things that um guidance that we would say to mums is one's folic acid, which I'm yeah. sure everyone hopefully everyone who listens has heard of from their midwife um it's one of the first questions they ask you at your booking appointment mm. is about folic acid. So the guidance around folic acid is that um ideally Ideally, you should start taking folic acid when you're tr- when you start trying. Yeah. Really tricky for some ladies because obviously sometimes babies aren't planned yeah. <laughs> and they just appear. So um, the key thing is if that happens, then it's just starting to take one as soon as you find out you're pregnant. Yeah. Um, and it's 400 microgram- micrograms, which are the kind of the standard dose that you'd find in a lot of the supermarkets um, and a lot of pharmacies, and that. Um, is important to take for the first 12 weeks of pregnancy. A lot of the pregnancy supplements have it in that you take for the whole duration, which is fine. It's just the most important stage is that kind of pre and early, early prenatal, um, because it prevents neural, um, neural spine issues that, Mm -hmm. um, that can occur. And that time of growth is when, is when that, that happens. So folic acid is important. And a, 
big topic of conversation at the moment is vitamin D as well. Okay. So vitamin D, um, there's been some recent guidance released that actually in this country, um, if you're an adult, we should all be taking a 10 microgram vitamin D supplement anyway, mm. especially during winter months. Because no sun, especially if our winters as long as this one. I know, I know, and it's and it's really tricky. And I think that I've seen that there have been some cases um, in London that they're starting to see rickets in in young children again, which you know hasn't been around for for years and years and years. And that's to do with vitamin D deficiency. So vitamin D, um, the advice is a ten microgram. Um, supplement again if you're taking the kind of pregnancy supplements vitamin d will be in there you can check but most of them will have the 10 microgram vitamin d um so they're the two that are the kind of main ones Mm. it's worth just saying for the folic acid actually if you're someone who has diabetes um or has another type of medical condition it's worth checking with your midwife because um, people with diabetes are advised to take a five milligram folic acid right. um, supplement. So it does depend on your own health conditions, yeah. and um, but your midwife will let you know that you know at your booking appointment um, yeah. if you need to take one that's slightly higher. So supplements wise, are you mm. taking what? What interestingly, which one are you taking? Yeah, so I'm taking. I've spied them over there. So I'm yeah. taking the pregnant. And I heard. I heard your. I t- heard you speak about your kind of quandary with them and yeah. yeah and some of the issues and it's it is really tough because I think that one is such a standard one that they okay. include in all the, the packs as well and I think um for, for me from you know and, and everyone's different and it's a choice it's mm. a choice thing but I think um that's one that's been you know fully tested and approved mm. and to me personally that's important to me Absolutely. um I think you know there are other ones that are available which if if you if you know it's down to choice if you want to if you want to take them then, then that's fine it's just making sure the vitamin a and I, I know you talked about retinol so so retinol is the thing that we need to avoid really yeah the beta carotene's fine it's the retinol that's the um active form of vitamin a that that we need to avoid and that's also what's in liver which is why yes we can come on to that in a minute which is what well, the foods not to eat mm-hmm. is li- one of them's liver um which I'm not sure how much liver we really eat anymore in our demographic. I think it was something kind of 40 anymore. years ago. A lot yeah. of people used to eat as a standard. Yeah. But I mean, maybe like chicken liver pate at Christmas. But oh apart from that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know whether um, these days it's so much of a staple. It's re- liver's actually really, really good for you when you're not pregnant. Um, but, but yeah, that's, that's why we're told to, to not eat liver is because it's got the active form of vitamin A mm. in it. So I think as long as you are comfortable that the supplements that you're choosing um, are giving you what you need... Because even with the Pregnacare range, there's lots of different types. There are, aren't they? When yeah. I went into Boots the other day, I was like, oh God, which one do I buy? And I thought, you know what, my pregnancy's healthy, so I'll just go with the original. Yeah, so, and it depends on the individual again, which is really, which is where nutrition kind of kind of is important is that everything, what works for one person might not be suitable for someone else. Yeah. Um, so for me in particular, I do worry a bit about my calcium intake because I don't drink cow's milk because I found as soon as I turned 30 it really affected my skin yes, me too. so now I'm fine with cheese I'm fine with yogurts and um I'll have ice cream and all you know other dairy products isn't that funny I find it so funny that it kind of technically comes from the same place but it can have such different effects on yeah. our bodies yeah because I'm the same like when I was vegan 
obviously didn't have any of those apart from potentially like the sneaky bit of milk chocolate <laughs> um but then when I started to reintroduce stuff like cheese I haven't reintroduced cow's milk um but I have introduced cheese and things and my skin is pretty much fine yeah so it's yeah it's, it's funny, fermented it? I mean, it's it, with cheese the way the process is um it's fermented slightly anyway mm-hmm. so you tend to find that and, and yogurts as well because obviously yogurts are slightly fermented so you might not get so much of an impact as if you would if you drank cow's milk but I was a little bit concerned about my calcium yeah um, I have been for years. So I chose the one that had the higher level of calcium in. I think it's right. 500 micrograms of calcium. Mm-hmm. Just to kind of reassure me, really, that I was getting that calcium. Mm-hmm. One thing that I also learned for those ladies that are interested in calcium, um, through a bit of research, I was looking at um, drinks and discovered that things like Horlicks and Ovaltine mm. are really high in calcium. Yeah, like super high. Like if you ha- if you make a Horlicks um, with mi- with milk, your like a two hundred mill- milliliters mug, your calcium it kind of nearly pretty much gives you your calcium intake for the wow. day. So if pe- I mean I bought some and I managed two nights and then I just I've never really drunk it before and I didn't really get Thank on with the much. taste. But if people out there enjoy Horlicks and Ovaltine, please keep having it mm. in the, as a bedtime drink because it's got a really good source of calcium. Oh, brilliant. So um so yeah. So that so I take the Pregnacare Max ones, which yeah. are the, the maximum ones. Yeah. Just yeah, just because I was a bit con- more concerned about my calcium. Mm. Um but you know what? I, you know I I've been a bit <laughs> I've missed a few recently because my evening routine has gone a bit pear shaped. Um, so I have missed a few and I, I now am able to eat, kind of go back to my balanced diet, um, which is what I was having before, which, mm. um, first, as we said, first three months, vegetables mm. were a little bit out the window. I really crave traditional foods. So me and my husband usually eat lots of kind of Thai foods and we do a lot of stir fries, both love chili, like his chili tolerance is way above mine, but... I couldn't even go near chilli. We love curries and Indian food. Couldn't go near a curry and my husband was mortified. (laughs) I also found that the things that I ate in early pregnancy that I really fancied, like there was one dish that Hendrik would make me, um, which was rice, cashews, peppers and like soy sauce. And that I could handle. That's Mm -hmm. how I could get some like veggies and nuts and carbs and stuff. But now, if he made that for me now, I honestly think I would vomit. Oh, really? Like, stuff that I had at the beginning of my pregnancy that I really wanted, I can't even look at. No. It's, it's so weird. It's fascinating, isn't it, how, you, so how your tastes weird. change so much. And yeah. I really wanted... Because we're not really... We're not a kind of meat and two veg no. kind of couple. Although my husband would love to have, like, <laughs> pork chops and potatoes and veg every night. But we just don't. Um but that's what I wanted to eat. Sausages and mash and roast dinners mm. and pie and chicken. You know, real traditional English foods. Warming, hearty yeah. food. And yeah. maybe it was the time of year because, as I said, it was kind of approaching Christmas time. So it was cold and yeah. I'd, and stews. My mum, I've always been like, my mum's beef stew is like the best thing in the world with dumplings. But I couldn't get enough of it. Uh, she was making it for me on like on batch cooking. And I was, so I suppose I was getting some veg through that. But it was kind of hidden in a lot of gravy <laughs> for me it was spaghetti bolognese oh like, yeah I spaghetti bolognese used to be my favorite childhood food of all time like give me that every night of the week and I'd be one happy little girl my mum used to absolutely nail spaghetti bolognese and then I went to London and 
stayed with my sister and her boyfriend and she was like I'm just gonna make spaghetti bolognese you don't have to be in the room but just I'm gonna put it in front of you if you fancy it have it because I was only really starting to bring meat back in Mm. and she put it in front of me and I literally just wolfed (laughs) the thing down did you have it all over your face literally (laughs) all everywhere and my sister was like okay so we're back to spaghetti bolognese this is good and then ever since I think we've had it like once a week because I am just Lovely. like with homemade sauce so mm. not to get kind of the yeah. huge sugary crappy mm. stuff but um yeah oh I just give me a spaghetti bolognese I'm a happy girl yeah. um couple of questions that just came to mind actually yeah um pregnancy brain it's real <laughs> i'm with you there don't worry <laughs> so one of the questions i can remember the other one i can't so one of them is caffeine oh yeah so i don't drink coffee i don't really drink any green tea anymore because i'm just a bit nervous too okay um mainly because i consume a lot of chocolate mm-hmm. and i know they're like don't eat too much chocolate when you're pregnant because it has got caffeine in but how much chocolate is too much chocolate to give you too much caffeine you'd have to eat a lot of chocolate to get your 200 milligrams of caffeine. So the right. guidance is 200 milligrams a day, okay. which if we're talking coffee and tea terms, equates to two cups of kind of instant coffee, yeah. and about three cups of normal tea. Um, I before, Pre-pregnancy, I was a bit of a coffee snob. <laughs> I like coffee and we've got a nice machine at home. So if you're going to have kind of fresh coffee or you're going to buy it from a coffee shop, like a coffee chain... Yeah you're probably going to be higher caffeine, so maybe one of those a day. I've cut it out, um, mainly because... Not that I don't know whether I was kind of addicted to caffeine before, but I, mean, I used to look forward to my coffee in the morning, and I'd only ever drink caffeine up until midday, and mm-hmm. then I'd drink peppermint tea for the rest of the day. Mm-hmm. But I just felt like it would be it was kind of a good opportunity just to see what happens. And I did get a few headaches, but I didn't know whether that was a pregnancy headache yeah. or caffeine headache, and it's kind yeah. of... I'm through it now, so I have decaf coffee... But 200 milligrams is the guidance. Um, obviously, if, you, if the ladies are drinking Coke as well. Right. So I'd be more worried about drinking Coke than chocolate because Coke, okay. Coke's going to have more caffeine. Coca-Cola is going to have more caffeine in it than, yeah. um, than chocolate. Um, but you'd have to eat a lot of chocolate. Chocolate does have caffeine in, but it's quite small amounts compared okay. to a tea or coffee or, or a green tea. Okay, so maybe if you're having coffee and chocolate, then yeah. you need to watch out. But if you're just having chocolate... So I so I did the same. So I saved my caffeine for my chocolate because oh, yeah. this baby just loves sweet food. And... I swear this baby is made of, like, basically what my students keep bringing me in class because they know that Hendrix's pretty useless at buying me chocolate. Oh. So my students... My, I've got one student, she's amazing, Becky, if you're listening, I love you. She brings me, she works in a coffee shop, so she brings me brownies and she brings me like bags of minstrels. Amazing. And I'm just like, you're the cutest and the best. And last night was, I, I had like a horrific day yesterday. And last night, um, she gave me a brownie. So obviously I had to stop and get ice cream to go with my brownie, obviously. <laughs> Amazing. So it's really interesting to pick up on that actually, Emma, because that's kind of moving towards talking about how food kind of helps our emotions as well so yeah. maybe moving away from the kind of nutritional content of food but you know you're talking there about having a bad day um which you know we get a few of when we're pregnant whether yeah, it's so symptom based or emotion based <laughs> and I don't know about you but sometimes like having that brownie with a bit of ice cream just 
cheers you up like cake yeah. makes me really happy yeah like a really lovely cupcake it mm. just it, it does you know it, it's it's important for um your mental health almost to have yeah. foods like that and I think sometimes if we try and restrict ourselves too much or, or or make ourselves feel guilty about having that it's yeah okay they are full of sugar but actually if you've got a generally balanced diet having those foods isn't gonna just no. it's not gonna ruin things it's not gonna be a detrimental impact yeah We'll caveat for the ladies who may have gestational diabetes, which is really, really common. So over 50% of um, pregnant women will get gestational diabetes. And some women will get it um, from certain risk factors, but some women won't have any of the risk factors and they still might get gestational diabetes, which so comes what, what with a shock. Yeah, so gestational diabetes is a form of diabetes. Um, basically, um, with diabetes, what happens is you're pancreas struggles to produce something called insulin which is the kind of like the key to unlock the cells to let glucose in the blood be absorbed right so you end up with a kind of excess glucose building up in your bloodstream because the insulin's not quite working to let it in so um i mean it still works people who have type 1 diabetes they don't produce any insulin which is why they have to inject it but people with um type 2 diabetes or gestational diabetes it's just not working so well and gestational diabetes only happens in pregnancy so for some women that being pregnant just kind of throws your pancreas a bit off kilter now with many women it will stop as soon as baby's delivered so it returns to normal which Mm -hmm. is great but it is quite sometimes a difficult thing to come to terms with um so especially in terms of diet and sometimes you have to take medications to try and control your blood sugars a little bit and for some women it also might change their birth preferences as well because mm. it might be that they maybe had their hearts out on home birth but they become a, they become slightly high risk so they might okay. have to change their things for that so just to caveat the whole sh- eating lots of cake and sugar yes. things yes if you have gestational diabetes you, you might need to keep a little bit more of an eye on your sugar levels if you eat too much sugar is that a, during your pregnancy could that then make you more likely to have gestational diabetes or is it just a thing no. that happens no it's i think um i think you'd have to if, if you were generally otherwise healthy you'd have to really go some some, Mm. go some to do it i think you know having a bit of cake a day i mean i eat chocolate every day Mm, me too and (laughs) since being pregnant i mean i'm i love all chocolate but i would always try and make a bit more of an effort to have darker chocolate before pregnancy now i just want i want the rubbishy milk chocolate it's the only thing that hits the spot yeah me too me too before i was like 70 percent dark lint or 80 percent whatever yeah and now i'm like no give me the cadbury's yeah cup. and it has to be I'm, i have to have it from the fridge it has to be nice, yes, and, cold. nice and cold yeah exactly so and i you know i eat chocolate i, I mean i eat chocolate every night before before pregnancy as well so i think the important thing is is you know i'm not great with you know restricting myself because i think that makes me really unhappy yes and also if i restrict for certain food groups too much you know i get really hangry as well yeah and it can go too far yeah so emotion so i think mentally and emotionally it's important to think of food in its wider context yeah so although it's a source of nutrition it's important you know it's important for our babies and our bodies think about the wider picture as well you know absolutely absolutely and i do think that i don't know but because i'm in the yoga world a little bit on instagram and social media i don't know if i'm just more aware of this kind of stuff than maybe some other mums um don't become aware of it if you are wondering what i'm talking about really you don't need to put yourself through that but i feel like there's quite a lot of strong advice out there 
It was like, you know, you don't need to have your you don't need to have any extra calories until your last trimester. You know, you must go and do exercise every single day. But mm. you know what it's like in your first trimester, there is no way you are gonna get off the couch and go and do some exercise. Mm. Like unless you have the motivation of a flipping saint, you're just not gonna do it. And I felt quite a lot of guilt around oh, I haven't done any exercise, but I'm eating something I probably shouldn't be eating, like chocolate mm. or cake or a treat that someone's given me. Mm-hmm. And I am i don't think I'm the norm in that I sit behind a desk nine to five because I don't, like I'm up and around, I've got clients, I'm at home a lot doing jobs, we're doing a lot of renovations, so I'm very active. Mm-hmm. But I don't necessarily go and go for a walk or do like some crazy hit thing or something like that for pregnancy. Um, have you felt anything like that around your pregnancy, like guilt and things like oh, that? A, absolutely, yeah. massively. And I think um, it's really me- sad, isn't it? Oh, I've mentioned, like yeah, I've mentioned before about um, you know, I, you know, I was real keen runner, and I, I haven't since I've been pregnant. Actually, I've stopped running so much just because mm. it doesn't feel comfortable. Mm. And I know, you know, you read a lot about um, you know pregnant mums who carry on running and I, I read about one lady who ran a marathon before she delivered her baby which I just think is incredible and there are kind of supportive bands that you can buy but for me it just doesn't feel comfortable maybe because I'm so big it just doesn't feel comfortable um but I feel like I thought my baby was going to drop out I was yeah. like honestly I just felt so tense when I was running yeah I did I took my last run at like 13 or 14 weeks and I just thought you know what this isn't for me I just no. I really feel very uncomfortable and then when I got home I was almost overtaken by this wave of just feeling horrendous and then having like not bad but little cramping in my tummy and I yeah. just thought this isn't sensible so I had the same probably I think it was over Easter weekend mm-hmm. I um because I'm still going to my gym and I had a really interesting experience actually because I went for my 20 week scan and the um both my scans I've had my 12 week and because I've just had the kind of 12 week and the 20 week mm. the sonographer the baby's just moving around loads yeah. really active and I made a joke to the sonographer and said oh the baby must be doing burpees because I went to the gym <laughs> this morning yeah um clearly she wasn't into jokes <laughs> because she said to me oh you know do you exercise a lot and I said well at the moment you know I was going to the gym twice a week and doing strength training so I stopped doing HIIT and I've stopped doing heavy cardio Mm. but I go to strength training sessions because I'm you know doing squats whenever I can get them in um and I do I practice ashtanga yoga so I'm still going to my ashtanga class and it's not a specific kind of um antenatal class but I'm kind of modifying and the um uh, the kind of teacher is pretty kind of clued up about what I can and can't do and I've stopped doing inversions Isn't that in now. yeah yeah do say where you go because there okay. are I've had quite a few inquiries actually from yoga people on my podcast asking where to go in Plymouth oh really oh yeah. okay Karen will love me then so so it's called Ashtanga Plymouth it's okay. Ashtanga Plymouth and it's Karen um oh I've got her name but it's Karen, I can send you the link and maybe She's add it on. brown hair, yeah. like quite long, a little bit wavy. Yeah. Oh my God, I definitely know. Yeah. I know you, Karen, if Karen. you're <laughs> Karen's great. She's yeah. amazing. And um, there's such a strong community. Her Ashtanga community is really great. Oh. And I I got into, probably about three years ago, through running because yeah. it's so strength focused. And yeah. I quite like that about Ashtanga. But, um, but I'm still trying to maintain yoga practice. And Karen's been great about kind of just keeping an eye on me of what I'm doing. 
And I've also started um, antenatal Pilates as well. Oh, so nice. there's a class that runs, which has been great to meet um, other pregnant ladies as well. Yeah. So that's been lovely. And I also had a go at aquanatal, which was fun as oh, well. Cool. Yeah, which was fun, which I thought would be quite easy based on my kind of, I exercise a lot and I do quite a lot of strength. So I feel like I'm, and I thought well, maybe I'll find it a bit easy. It's really hard really? <laughs> because you're in the water and you're against that kind of resistance constantly. Yeah. My arms afterwards were absolutely killing me. <laughs> so yeah. And, and they say that being in the water is apparently supposed to be really nice. Even mm. if you are, um, just doing a few plodding along, just doing a few lengths and you have a bit of a chat with a friend, even just being in the water is mm. quite nice. Okay. But I've had the same thing and I overdid it before Easter. Mm. I went to my gym and I, I think because at the time I feel fine, mm. it's afterwards. Mm. Um, and I hurt my back and I think, um, mm. I don't know whether it was a combination of baby growing and body changing, but probably pushing it too hard at the gym. And I was, I couldn't move for the whole of Easter and I really oh, no. hurt my back. I was so uncomfortable. And it's fine again now, but I just think to myself, you know what, Louise, you have to step back. Like, it's really mentally hard when you're when you're used so to being on the go and you feel okay. Like, yeah. I feel okay. And um, I'm juggling so much, which we all are juggling so much in life anyway. We've got a puppy, which oh, I thought would be a good idea, but she's absolutely, she's hard work. She's, yeah, yeah. she's really hard work. So I've got what her, she? she's a black Labrador oh. called Olive. Oh. She's 14 months now, so she's a little bit older, but she's full of beans, like full of beans. So, you know, which I'm, you know I've got a few anxieties about because I'm kind of waiting to see what happens when baby comes because everyone says, oh, Labradors are brilliant with babies. Yeah. But she is quite highly strung, so... She might chill out. Yeah, hopefully. But I, So I worry about that. I've got... Um, I'm doing a PhD, so um, that's kind of tricky because... Um, a lot of the workload is is very self-motivated so mm. I do have supervisors but it's all on me like, mm. it's my project so it's all on me to try and keep it going so I worry about that yeah. um, and also just you know general life and adulting so you know being at home and my husband works quite long hours he's a solicitor in Plymouth and doing the shopping and kind of general life stuff yeah. as well yeah. and redecorating the baby's room and trying to think of baby oh i need a phd in prams to oh. even buy baby stuff it's a nightmare isn't it it is like an absolute nightmare. you probably heard on rebecca's podcast the john lewis thing have uh, you got a john lewis in Plymouth? no extra no, yeah i i haven't looked into it at all but rebecca was saying there's like this one and a half hour or two hour consultation and they basically just tell you everything you need oh, that's good. although i made a list of the basics yeah because i i don't want to go overboard I and mean, we don't have the money after all of these renovations to go overboard on a baby so we will be getting the bare necessities and handouts wherever that was one thing i was going to say about maternity clothes i had zero luck with any but i've got this most amazing client in central exeter who's had three babies and she just gave me this whole Ooh. wad of maternity clothes oh, amazing and i'm literally living in her stuff right now in her jeans and her leggings and she gave me this really cool jumpsuit and like just some t-shirts and they're just brilliant because I can't find anything anything that I like no um there's such a demand I think for high street especially in Exeter um somewhere that does maternity stuff because H&M has like the tiniest little section Mm. at the back and that's it I don't know if Plymouth's any better well, I mean, we've got less kind of shops yeah. down there than you guys have in Exeter, but yeah, it's the same. And I've I've bought some things online. I managed to, I got on the next sale, and oh, yeah. they had a few bits which I ordered. But similar to you, I'd kind of I was you know pre-pregnancy size ten. I've been a size ten for a while, 
um, they had didn't have size 10, they had size 12. And I thought, you know what, I you know feel maybe size 12 might be more comfortable. But when it all came, it was all a bit big and a bit yeah. baggy and I just yeah. didn't feel comfortable in it. So all of that went back. Oh, no. <laughs> but I'm the same. I'm just living in leggings and jumpers yeah. um, just waiting for the summer so I can maybe just buy some maxi dresses Absolutely. and flip-flops because I'm starting to struggle a little bit. Baby's getting in the way a little bit of doing up laces. So, oh, really? Yeah, and then oh. with my back, when my back was bad, that was even worse. So, husband... Need to get some Birkenstocks. Yeah. Just slide those on. Just, yeah, husband was having to get into practice doing my uh, shoelaces That's up for brilliant. me. Oh, my goodness, that is brilliant. <laughs> I remember, I, it's one of my fondest memories and earliest memories, I think, as a, as a kid, doing up my laces. Yeah. And having my dad show me how to tie my laces. Funny ears. Yeah. yeah. And like looping around trees and all that, yeah. all that whatnot. <laughs> um, and something else I was going to ask you just now as well. One of your questions you said um, when we were chatting is about um, foods to eat towards the end, like yes. labour food. Oh, Should yes. we talk a bit about that? Let's talk about that and yeah. then also what not to eat. Oh yes, that's an important one as those well. Those two are, Let's yeah, cover those. good. So, um, yeah, it's fascinating because I when you asked me, I did a bit I did a bit of research because actually there's no official guidance in terms of what you should or shouldn't eat in terms of bringing on labor. I love all the stories that that you hear from from Hot mums. curries and chilies and yeah, and I think I've looked into this and although the the evidence isn't like conclusive, there have been there has been research done on it. I think what they find is that some foods can have a laxative effect which can trigger uterine uterine contractions. So but obviously that's not going to work for everyone because no. your tolerance of curries might be quite good. Yes. <laughs> Some people have different levels of tolerance of yes. them. Um, so I reckon I would, you know, I would, not that I can say that without doing a full study, but I reckon that maybe for the women who reckon they've had a curry, mm. it might be that kind of stimulating effect that it's mm, had yeah. on the bowels, which can trigger uterine contractions. Yeah. The one food that's really interesting that some people might have heard about is dates. Yes. You heard about dates. Yes. Okay. So I had a little look and I did some research on dates. So um, so there have been some really good studies that have looked at consuming dates. Um, there's only one randomised control trial that I found, just to kind of position that a little bit. When we're looking at studies and evidence, um, randomised control trials are kind of up there with some of the, the better quality trials that have been done because usually they involve participants being blinded right. so they kind of have a bit of a placebo um, there's all other considerations we could do a whole podcast on reading evidence effectively but it's quite important especially when you're reading newspaper articles mm. who are citing a study mm. quite often when you look at that study and you look underneath it it's not a very robust study mm. or it's been done in the lab or it's oh, not right. you know or yeah. it's been done and the problem the problem with nutrition studies is they tend to include a very small population of people and that might not be representative of you know it might be done in a different country we still don't know whether different countries you know might have different make, genetic makeups mm. but this randomized control trial was interesting it, it, it's had a group of ladies um who were healthy otherwise healthy pregnancies and they got uh, one group to consume a handful of dates four weeks before their due date and then the other group didn't so nice. they had two groups so a control group as we call them and then the group and they monitored them and then they all had their babies and then they looked at um whether the dates in kind of induced early labor which they didn't and also whether the, the number of women that needed to have a kind of assisted inductions as well. So interestingly, they found that the women who didn't eat the dates had a higher percentage of needing to be induced hmm. um, versus the women, the group of women who ate the dates. 
But in terms of the date of delivery, it didn't make a difference. Right. So it didn't bring, bring on labour. So I find that really interesting because mm. I think from from a with my dietitian hat on, I wouldn't use that to advise women to start eating dates. However, dates are quite a natural food, brilliant source of energy. I have half a date every day in my smoothie. Oh, lovely! And a natural sweetener as well. So mm. I think um, you know, towards towards the end, mm. if you fancy having a few dates chopped up in your porridge, it's not going to do you any harm. No. Um, and I think what the studies have found is that you know it doesn't have an adverse impact. And again, I think with all these things, you'd have to probably eat a lot of dates to have a negative impact. If you're having one or two a day Mm. chopped up, you know, in your porridge or in your smoothie. Mm. Um, So yeah, I think the date research is really interesting. Mm. So there's no negative effects. And um, although it doesn't induce labour as such, it can have, you know, especially even during labour when we need some energy. Yeah. Potentially quite good. And sweetness. And sweetness, yeah. Absolutely. So what about the foods? Um, Is there anything you would recommend eating to almost heal yourself after labour? Oh, that's a good question. Or is there kind of not really any research done on that? Well, if you're talking... If we kind of... If we take a step back and look at, I guess... Not that I want to medicalise it, but you're looking at pregnancy. It's kind of going through some element. Your body's going through a bit of trauma. Yeah. Um, especially, you know, if you've had to have a cesarean or a C-section yeah. or you've lost a lot of blood, you know, you iron's going to be really, really important. I yeah. know some women do need to have iron replacements after, after having a baby if they've lost a lot of blood. So iron-rich foods might be something that you want to choose. Um, obviously, the sources of that will depend on whether you eat meat or you don't. Obviously, meat's a great source of iron, but it's not the only source of iron. There's plenty yeah. of other ways to get iron. Um, fortified cereals are great. And if and also, what the other great bit of advice is, is if you consume something with vitamin C alongside your iron source, enhances the absorption. Right. So, for example, for breakfast, if you were to have a fortified cereal with a glass of small glass of pure orange juice that would be great mm. if you are a if you like your steak and you have a you're a steak eater some peas peas are a great source of vitamin c as well really? yeah peas are really high in vitamin c mm. so having some garden peas or petit pois with your steak it would yeah. be great as well so i suppose iron's one thing protein's going to be really important as well so protein um protein's important throughout your whole pregnancy the requirements don't necessarily increase but it's important to make sure you're meeting the general requirements of protein um would you recommend taking a a postnatal supplement i think it depends on the individual again i'm yeah yeah, sorry it's always a standard answer from us but i think um I, i think if you're concerned about your diet and you're concerned that your diet's not balanced or varied enough or you're struggling with your diet then i'd recommend taking one i think if for women who are breastfeeding um, your calorie requirements go up by 500 calories a day. Whoa! Yeah, it takes That's a lot more than out of pregnancy. Yeah, I That's know. Insane. I know. It's like 200 for final trimester yeah. of pregnancy, which is equivalent to a chocolate bar. Exactly. <laughs> I'm definitely having 200 yeah. more than I had before. But yeah, so women who are lactating, um, the calorie is 500 calories a day. So, yeah. and calcium um, requirements will increase as well. So. Mm. Um, as well as you know you kind of your general kind of b12 and vitamin yeah. b vitamins are important so it might be taking a, a post if you you know if it's something that you can afford because we've got to bear in mind obviously that all of these things are on the market but they're not not necessarily accessible to every woman so Absolutely. it's about your own situation and if you're concerned um 
you know, there might be some help that you can get to help you with vitamins and minerals. If you just speak to your midwife, there might be some support that you can get okay. regarding that. But um, yeah. So probably the last question, because I really want to try and keep this podcast like under <laughs> or just around an hour, and we're like two minutes before ah. we hit an hour. <laughs> I don't know how I do this every time. Um, foods not to eat. Mm. How much should we be stressing over things like, for instance? Oh yeah. I picked up. I love goats. Cheese when I'm now back to kind of eating cheese but obviously really well I have had goat's cheese on like a couple of pizzas recently and I've kind of figured oh you know what it's in the tiniest amount I'm not going to freak out about that Mm -hmm. and I picked up a recipe that Hendrik picked um for me to make or for actually it'd be nice if he made it for himself had goat's cheese in it so I went to the supermarket and I saw there was a goat's cheese made with pasteurized goat's milk Mm -hmm. however it still had the pregnancy warning on saying Mm -hmm. The government re- recommends that you do not eat, if you're pregnant, mold-ripened cheeses, mm-hmm. which obviously goat's cheese is, even though it was made with pasteurised mm-hmm. goat's milk. Should I... I mean, how much How much should I be worrying about this? It's really confusing, isn't it? It's really confusing, because I thought, okay, well, if it's pasteurised, it's fine. Mm. But then if it's mold-ripened, it's not fine. So, I think... It's down to the individual again, and I think you know. Although I try to avoid doing it at all costs because it sometimes makes you feel horrendous when you go on some of these forums and you Google something and you yeah. see what all these other ladies are doing. You know, most it's it's mitigating risk. So yeah. the reason for that that guidance is not that eating a bit of cheese is going to negatively impact you or your baby. It's just the same risk as anyone else getting listeria which you can catch from mold ripened cheeses it's just that if we were to catch listeria it would be a bit more serious than if someone who wasn't pregnant cats caught listeria it's not common is it even in a normal this country no and i think it is just mitigating risk the thing to remember as well with the cheese if it's cooked it's fine yeah, it's fine. So camembert. So, oh, so God, cam- I'm going to go and get that goat cheese. <laughs> so as long as you're cooking it and it's heated, because by that heating process will destroy the... If there is listeria present, the heating process will destroy it. Right. So those ladies who enjoy, like, a hot camembert oh. to dip in, go for it. As long as it's heated and it's hot, then that's mm. fine. Um, so, yeah, I wouldn't worry too much about the cheese bit. The other, um, the other thing is undercooked meat, which is one yeah. that we see quite a lot. And that's, again, the same. It's, all it is is about reducing the risk of potential kind of pathogens that could cause, cause food poisoning. Yeah. I've struggled with that a bit. I, you know, I, I do eat meat, and I, um, re- I really struggle with having a very overcooked steak. Yeah. And there have been times, we went to a really nice restaurant in Plymouth, a new steak restaurant that's opened, um, quite a posh one, and it was really expensive. And I thought, you know what, the steak is going to be from a really good source here, and it's going to be cooked well. So I went for medium, and I, you know, it was fine. fine. So I think the guidance is to not do it. And I just guess, if you, if you, can, be, if you can be confident that the meat you're eating is from a good source, mm. and it's been cooked quite well, mm. you know... I, I've, I haven't, I've steered away from, um, kind of, I wouldn't maybe have carpaccio where it's just yeah. seared. Um, yeah, yeah. I've kind of gone a bit more and I always get sight, you know, size, if my husband's cooking, I'll, I'll have the bits at the end that are a bit more cooked, but, um, yeah, that's the other bit of guidance. I've stayed away from shellfish. Okay. Um, it's not necessarily, the guidance doesn't cover that, but 
I just hate being sick. I'm really bad at being sick, which means I'm so, I'm so fortunate I didn't get morning sickness because I would have been the worst person to live with because I just hate being sick. I think that's one of the reasons why I was only sick once because I <gasps> will hold that back. To them green. Honestly, literally so much. <laughs> I've, I've definitely not... I'm not eating, like, mussels or anything like that. No, me neither. Because the risk is just way too high. And, you know, although I like all those foods... It's fine. Like yeah. I can do without muscles for nine months. Oh, God, it's yeah. okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's the other thing. And alcohol, we've briefly touched on. So alcohol is the other guidance around... Um, I mean, ideally, the, the, the overall guidance is that we really shouldn't drink at all. But I think in the later trimesters, once you've kind of got through that 20 weeks... Um, having one small glass of wine kind of twice a week, if you really can't live without it, is is going to be okay. Mm. But generally, it's better if you try and stay away from the alcohol. I guess it reaches the baby, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean the placenta is quite clever. So the baby will get the the baby will get um, the kind of fundamental nutrients so the baby doesn't necessarily eat what we eat right so say we had i don't know a sandwich or something our body will break that down into its fundamental molecular components so glucose is the kind of fundamental component of carbohydrate and then your different Mm. amino acids which will be your components of your protein that's what goes through the placenta so um and then also your kind of your um fatty acids as well so the baby doesn't kind of get a chunk of tuna sandwich (laughs) (laughs) i don't really like it but they do say that sometimes i think when you get to about um around 20 weeks maybe a bit later um taste the bit so some of the some of the kind of um the taste compounds do pass through the placenta so the baby can taste certain foods but it's not foods they're tasting kind of compounds really but the placenta does do quite a good job of regulating you know what goes in and out um so if you kind of, you know... God, if it doesn't, know, my baby is going to come out a chocolate. A bar of dough. <laughs> Literally well. And the final thing to touch on, because um, the guidance has recently changed, is around eggs as well. Ah, yes. So eggs. So, so for a long, long time, um, pregnant women were advised not to eat uncooked eggs. Yes. So stay away from mayonnaise, um, anything like mousses or whipped soft whipped ice cream and things like that because they were made with undercooked eggs and you had to have your eggs really hard boiled and um, I'm so glad that that guidance changed I because I I don't know whether I'd cope otherwise but the guidance has changed around that because the risk of salmonella in this country is now so low mm. as long as you're buying your eggs with the red stamp on so the key thing is you know if you usually enjoy farm local farm eggs which are lovely because you're supporting your local farmers when you're pregnant if you're going to have those just make sure they're really fully cooked yeah because they might not have been through the same processes to check because i think they 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 kind of check all the eggs now Mm. and that are red lion stamped so as long as it's red lion stamped then you're okay my mum almost freaked out when we went out for lunch and i think i ordered like a tuna mayo sandwich or something, which I never really eat, but I just really fancied it. And mum goes, oh no, you can't have mayo. You definitely can't have mayo. I was like, no, it's actually all right, mum. Yeah. Don't worry, we'll Google just in case. Because back, back when she was pregnant, it was like mayo, no, absolutely no. no. I know. And also, the um, if you're having mayo... Um, kind of commercial mayonnaise it's it would be made with pasteurized the, mm. the eggs would be pasteurized anyway but homemade mayo you've got to be a bit more careful of yeah you? yeah but i mean well as long as your eggs are red line my husband loves making mayonnaise and i yeah. love mayonnaise so but if you think, go to like a farm shop oh, and you yeah. have their mayo sandwich or something yeah. you might want to double check just maybe. ask them yeah i um it's, and it's always fine just asking yeah. if they're red line stamped yeah um but yeah i think that's yeah so alcohols so we've covered caffeine and alcohol and eggs mm-hmm. um liver 
we've covered. Yeah. I'm trying to think if there's anything else. I think I think that's pretty much Fluid it. Fluid yeah. and calcium and iron supplements. I have definitely cake. Used the cake. <laughs> Get the cake in. I've definitely asked you everything that I, was on my list for sure. Oh, and I think um, I, do, I don't know whether we've got time to do it now, but I can maybe um i've post sometimes post recipes on my instagram page oh, so i'll send you the link to it and if people want to have a look so i've got so i'm a bit as i said a bit obsessed with breakfast and brunch and yeah. um i've had this pancake recipe that oh. was from a another dietitian actually called nick's nutrition she's brilliant to follow for um di- dietitian advice and it's the best pancake recipe because it's it's really kind of quite healthy and balanced but it feels like a normal american fluffy pancake um so I'll share it now for those yeah. who are interested. But it's basically, you get some oats and you whiz them up. If you've got a blender, whiz them up. Yeah. It doesn't actually matter if you don't whiz them up, if you haven't got a blender. Um, but if you have, make some oat flour. And it's 30 grams of that. 50 grams of either like a 0% Greek yogurt, like the really thick stuff. Mm-hmm. I've experimented a lot with these. It doesn't work with the cheapest. Like It doesn't yeah. work with the kind of Greek style yogurt. It has to be the thick stuff. Yeah. The other thing that it works really well with, though, is the soya yogurt. Yeah. There's a soya protein yogurt you can buy that I'll do, and that's brilliant. Um, so 50 grams of that and one egg. Or if you are vegan, you could... I've never tried it with, like, a flax supplement, but you could potentially try it with an egg supplement. Or even just mash a banana and put it in. Mm. Mix it together. I always add a bit of cinnamon. And that gives you three, kind of, American-style pancakes. Just oh, gently nice. fry them in, like, a non-stick pan. Tiny bit of oil. I use coconut oil, but you can use any oil you want. They are really good. Really good. Really oh, fluffy. Yeah. And well, there you go. Yeah, it's so a little recipe. recipe. Yeah. So share with us your Instagram handle and kind of, if anyone wants to get in contact with you to ask for more advice, what's the best way to get in touch? Okay, so my Instagram um, handle is at Lou, L-O-U-P, Mole, M-O-L-E. I've recently changed it because I got married last year. Um, and I think probably through Instagram would be the best option if that's okay. So yeah. I'm happy for people to kind of comment on my Instagrams or message DM me through Instagram. I'm also on Twitter as well. Um, I'm on Twitter as also at Lou P Mole, or it might be at Lou Wilco. I'll have to send it to you, Emma. <laughs> in the process of like changing over from my maiden name to my married name, I will try and put it in the show notes. Yeah. Um, how you can get hold of Lou or share it on your Facebook because you've set up the Facebook page, I have. haven't you? Which I is have. fantastic. So, I have. and also through that as well because I've um, yeah. I'm following that. So if oh, people, if because I know you're quite keen to kind of start this community, which is amazing. Yeah. So if um, you know, and I'm happy for people to share their own experiences of diet problems or positives as well and any recipe recipe tips which we could share with each other which would be really great so fantastic well Lou will be checking in on that then (laughs) and answering all of your questions which is amazing (laughs) well thank you so so much for giving me your time today and um for speaking with me it's been great to have you on. Oh, thank you, Emma. And I wish, you know, wish you all the best with your pregnancy as well. Thank you, and you yeah. too. We'll keep in touch. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, come July, July, August, September is going to be a bit of a whirlwind for us, oh, isn't it? Definitely, definitely. Crazy. Oh, we'll take care. Thank you so thank much. Thank you. Bye. Bye. <laughs> um, next week, you will definitely have me. I am going to take my gear to Portugal with me and record a podcast, hopefully um, in the company of my dear friend. 
Um, and I will catch up with you next week. Remember, the Facebook page is now live. You just have to go on Facebook, type in Mum Talk Podcast, and you can leave any questions that you have for Louise on there. And I will uh, pop in the show notes her Twitter and social media handles. So if anyone has any direct questions that they need or would like to answer, then Louise is there for you to be a book of knowledge an open book of knowledge for you all right thanks again for tuning in and i will see you next week